0: What up, Sam? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Sam? Alright, tale of the tapes, season two, episode number 62. So we got a couple of days left here before summer officially hits, and since these episodes only air once a week... That means this will be our final episode before we take our summer break in season two. Now I want to be clear, season two is not finished yet today. We will be back in the fall to finish off season two, but it will be a very short return of only four episodes and then the 90s is 100% done, which is insane to even say. I can't believe we've come this far at this point. That's 20 years of hip-hop we've covered. We've gone through the golden era of hip-hop through the entire 80s decade, through the entire 90s decade. So, pretty crazy stuff. So, we will return in the fall on September 21st of this year, 2022, at 5 o'clock p.m. And the last episode of Season 2, The 90s, will be on Wednesday, October 12th of this year at 5 o'clock p.m. After that episode, we will be taking just about a one-year break. I've spoken on this many times, and I don't want to spend too much time on it now, but this was a long season, some room to pull back ahead as far as artists done would be nice, some room for scheduling would be nice, some more family time would be nice, and this will wind up ending us off in 2030 if we take one more year break at what is essentially hip-hop's 50-year anniversary to a certain extent, you could say. Obviously, I'm not speaking literally, hip-hop has been around for way longer than that, but I'm more speaking as a mainstream, commercially recognized genre of music. It was right around 1980, so we have a one-year break coming up. We will resume the podcast on Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024 at 5 o'clock p.m. That will be the start of Season 3, The New Millennium. I'll touch on this again a bit more in the fall, on the last episode of Season 2, but I did just want to make sure that everyone is on the same page with what's happening going forward. And with that out of the way, today we will be covering underground hip hop duo Binary Star. So, before I get into any facts and info on Binary Star, let me start with my history, my opinions, and my expectations on the group and its members. So, in high school, I came across this song called Reality Check by Binary Star, probably just surfing through Napster, which is pretty crazy that we're up to this era. A couple of weeks ago, we covered viral internet legend Benefit, who essentially ushered in the Napster era for us, and I explained to you guys how at the time, it may not have been beneficial for mainstream artists who were already established, but for teenagers like me with no money, It helped me to access more underground music that wasn't necessarily being pushed in the stores I was getting my music from. Well, here we are with one of my first discoveries on Napster, Binary Star. Reality Check was just a random song that I had come across. Um, I don't really know exactly how I came across it. I do remember it was probably on Napster, but I don't remember exactly how I came across that song. But it was then and is still now one of my top 100 favorite hip-hop songs of all time, no doubt about that. And while I knew each member murdered that song, I knew nothing of each member individually nor any of their other works. I really couldn't tell you why I loved that song so much and just never followed up with the group or either of its members, but that song was basically the extent of my knowledge of them, to be honest with you. And again, I thought they were super dope lyrically, but that was just one song. Were they consistently that good? Even if they were, would it be enough to make up for the other areas they lacked? These were all the questions that I personally had leading into Binary Star, and like I said, even though I didn't know the members apart, I definitely expected them to do fairly well, but wasn't sure if they were going to be able to overcome what I expected to be a low impact score. They were out as a group together first with their debut album in 1999, So we're going to start off with some information on the group as a whole, and then we'll branch off into each of its members individually, as both members did make the cut. Spinary stars' origins are listed as Pontiac, Michigan, United States. Their genres are listed as alternative hip-hop. Years active are listed as 1998 to 2000, 2002, 2009 to 2014, and 2016 to present. Its members are listed as one below and past members listed as Sanam Silla. So we see the group is from Michigan who not for nothing has had some absolutely incredible finishes by the artists it's had representing it so far. So I'll be interested to see where these guys wind up just based on the fact that they're from Michigan. We also see a lot of scattered dates as far as years active as well as active and past members. So obviously the group had some issues and split ups over the years and things like that. Currently, One Below is the only rapper in the group as Sanam Silla is supposedly officially retired from making music. So, let's read some additional info on the group and then we'll move on to each of its members individually. Binary Star is a hip-hop project by rapper One Below and formerly a duo with rapper Sanam Silla. Formed in 1998, the pair met and formed the group during their time in what is now known as Kinross Correctional Facility. So very limited info on the group there, but this group is pretty much as underground as they come, so that doesn't come as a huge surprise to me. We do, however, see that the group's members linked up in prison, so an interesting dynamic there, but let's go break off into some information on each member individually and see if we can find anything good there. We'll start off with one below as he was the first of the two to have a solo album out, which came out in 2001. His birth name is Roland Scruggs, born November 7th, 1976. His origins listed as Pontiac, Michigan. Genres listed as alternative hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1998 to present. So nothing that stands out there really, although I am a bit surprised we don't see underground hip-hop in his list of genres, but that doesn't really matter. We do see alternative hip-hop, which is not necessarily quite the same as underground hip-hop, But we did speak about how most artists who have alternative hip-hop listed as one of their genres typically wind up getting very solid originality scores, so let's check out my write-up on One Below before we get into any of the numbers for him. Let me simply start by saying One Below was absolutely incredible. He was one of the greatest I've ever seen when it came to rhyme schemes and syllables, and he still managed to throw a lot of dope lines in the mix without sacrificing the technicalities. Although he did have some songs where he seemed to quote-unquote take off, he seemed capable of doing it all which ranged from topical songs he was able to uphold very well, stories with crazy twists or endings, or just going absolutely nuts for an entire song. On top of all this, if you were paying close attention, he dropped a lot of knowledgeable gems and was able to finish himself as the second highest scoring lyricist in this study so far. The One Man Army qualified three albums with the group plus eight solo projects for a total of 11 albums registered for scoring. I knew of Binary Star in high school and had no idea I was missing this much material. Of the 11 albums, six were classics, another was a borderline classic, and the remaining four were great albums. Over 50% of his albums were classics and his worst material was great, both of which are unbelievable stats. Of his 159 qualified songs, 39 of them were great, another 88 were good, and not a single one was weak. That makes just about 80% of his material good or better, which is another remarkable statistic. These numbers were still achievable even through the recycling of some lines, verses, and songs. When referring to hip-hop, there are usually two main tiers recognized by all in the community, the underground and the mainstream. One Below was so opposed to the machine that is the music industry that he even considered the underground too commercial and gimmicky and referred to himself as being on a subterraneous level. It's clear that his focus was not only not on mainstream commercial success, but actually on purposely avoiding it entirely. While this may be a valid point, we still have to acknowledge his shortcomings in this department coupled with the fact that he only had clear musical influences on the other member in his group, Sanam Silla. However, what he lacked in impact, he made up for in originality. Though he did sample a pretty good amount from other artists before him, everything else about him screamed originality. From his album names and song titles, to his use of acronyms displayed regularly, this man had art oozing from his pores. On top of that, he never followed the pack, stayed true to himself, and never deviated from his opposing message from day one. So that definitely sounds like a solid breakdown for one below. So let me not waste any time. Let's check out the math and see where this winds up putting him. Lyrics, he gets a nine. And like I spoke about, that is now not only the second highest score that anyone has gotten lyrically in this study so far, but he is only the second person to even reach the level of a nine. Now, like I said, this dude was one of the most incredible I've ever seen when it came to rhyme schemes, multi-syllabic rhymes, and things like that. And again, what was most impressive about it was through, you know, all the the rhyme schemes, the syllables being rhymed, there was still a lot of dope lines in there. He wasn't sacrificing any of the technicalities. He was dropping very knowledgeable hidden gems, things that you could learn from in his songs and stuff like that. So there were just... Not only impressive things, but he was able to mix a lot of these impressive things together without sacrificing anything. Now, as far as why he didn't get a a 9.5, the only person to reach a a 9.5 so far was Eminem, who I believe qualified well over 20 albums, maybe 22, 25, something like that. Whatever it was, it was a good deal more than 11. So Eminem definitely had a much longer time period and a bigger catalog to do different things, do more things, continue to pile on points and be impressive in some of the areas that he may have already showed he was impressive in, as well as showing impressive tendencies and improvements in other areas that maybe not necessarily were lacking, but just weren't displayed or shown, but were over the course of, you know, 15, 20, 25 albums or whatever it was. Only 11 here for one below and I say only in comparison to the other person that got a higher lyric score than him. So again, just the fact that Eminem had more songs and more albums doesn't necessarily mean that he's better. It just means that he gave himself a little bit more of an opportunity to climb. Where I did think there was a little bit of separation aside from just the the big picture and the total number of songs and the size of the catalog and stuff like that was similar to Cannabis in a sense where One Below seemed to have these times where, again, no weak songs. So I don't want to say that he wasn't good. It's just that there were times where he didn't really seem like he was interested in doing the same things that he had done on so many of his other songs. And he seemed to kind of just take a break or maybe just try to make a point on this song and not worry about the syllables or the rhyme schemes or things like that. Now, Eminem did have points where he wasn't absolutely ridiculous on every song. But, again, in comparison to the size of his body of work and the amount of songs that he had and the size of his catalog and stuff like that, it was a smaller little section. And it was also clearly because drugs had taken over Eminem. That became very painfully apparent at one point in Eminem's career where Yes, the syllables, the rhyme schemes, the technicalities, all that stuff was still very much so on point, but he was just saying retarded, ridiculous things that were actually losing him credit as opposed to gaining him credit, and that's why Eminem did actually score two weak songs, where one below didn't have any weak songs, but again, when you take everything into consideration, Eminem just had a little more of those quiet, sneaky, dope lines hidden in there. He did more for a longer period of time. His lapses were much smaller and much less, especially compared to the body of work that was put out. And again, I use that word lapses very, very loosely because that's not to say that Eminem or One Below weren't capable of holding that pace because they did for the majority of their career. But there were times where they didn't and compared to the size of the body of work, One below, quote-unquote, took off a little bit more than Eminem did. And again, Eminem's wasn't really a taking off. It was, I'm still murdering things technically, but I'm so fucked up on drugs that I'm not even maybe aware of what I'm saying. And if I am, I don't even care. I'm just going to say whatever I want and zero fucks are given with what anyone thinks about it or how good it is or whatever the case is. So again, one below, an absolutely incredible lyricist, second highest scoring in the study this far, and only the second artist to even get as high as a nine so far, and we've had some incredible lyricists hit some really high scores, so this really is some absolutely amazing stuff here from One Below of Binary Star. If you are not familiar with this dude, I definitely recommend going to check him out if lyrics are your thing. If radio hits and dancing and all that type of stuff is your thing, then it probably won't interest you. Albums, he gets a 6.78 with 6 classics, so... You know, a lot to say here. That album score in itself is very, very impressive. And then on top of that, you're adding the 6 extra points for the 6 classic albums, but... I don't even want to just leave it at that. We need to talk about a couple of more things here. There were only 11 albums in total and six of them were classics. So over 50% of his material was classic. So not only does he get the six extra points for the classic albums, but that's over 50% of his work that he put out. And there was another borderline classic. So you could make the argument that he had seven classics, which is even that much more over 50% of his material. So... Everything about this album score and these extra bonus points for the classic albums is super, super impressive here from one below songs. He gets a plus 2.5, which again, I've said it many times before. If you're getting plus or minus a full point in this department, it becomes significant. He's getting plus a two and a half. Which is obviously really, really great stuff here. You don't want to be losing points where you could be gaining points. Not only is this guy gaining points. And not only is he gaining a significant amount of points. But he's gaining two and a half times. Where we call our floor for getting a significant amount of points here. So again, very, very impressive stuff there. That came from him having 159 total songs. With 39 of them being great and none of them being weak. That comes out to 25% of his material. You move that decimal point over one, and that gives you a plus 2.5. Impact, he gets a four, and this is one of those ones where, honestly, this is close to a three and a half, because it's one of those things where, with Benefit, for example, who also got a four, right? Benefit had a very small body of work, only two albums as opposed to one below is 11. Obviously, much less songs. I believe Benefit had 25 to 30 songs, one below with 159 songs, so... When it comes to just material put out and you know being recognized and acknowledged and things like that, Binary Star probably achieved, accomplished a little bit more in the hip-hop industry than, than Benefit maybe did, at least to just your person on the outside looking in. But again, we have to keep into consideration Benefit being basically the first rapper ever to go viral on the internet, Him being in and winning that Napster contest and that just being a huge deal. If you weren't alive at that time or you weren't old enough to be around for that, you know it's one of those things that you're going to have to go look up and it probably won't do it justice. You kind of had to be around for it. It was a big uproar, a big uprising, and he was definitely a vital and instrumental part of that. So Benefit probably would have been at a three and a half and that going viral Napster thing brought him back up to a four kind of a little bit different here with Binary Star where I feel like, you know, below average for the underground artists and the no mainstream commercial success or record sales or anything like that. And then on top of that, you know, no real clear, visible influences on any other artists aside from the other guy in his own group. So I don't want to say it doesn't count. You know, you did influence somebody, but weren't able to influence somebody outside of your own, you know, group member or friend or whatever you want to call it. So you know, you're looking at about a four there, and there really isn't much else to give them credit for. I can't turn around and say they went viral or they have this, you know, cult underground following or things like that. So this is a borderline three and a half here, but I felt like the consistent amount of material that this guy put out, you know, was enough to just keep him at a below average score of four there. Originality, he gets a nine. And like I said, just so many things about this guy were original his album titles were all acronyms, and they all were kind of in succession, you know, one was called, like, Labor, and L-A-B-O-R stood for something, then, you know, the next one was called, like, Stillbirth, or something like that, and every letter S-T-I-L-L stood for something, and then the next one was called Reborn, and the R, and the E, and the B, and the O, and the R, and the N all stood for a word, so... So many things, man. Just song topics, song names, album names, the acronyms, his overall message, the fact of how underground, not only how underground this guy was, but how determined this guy was to stay even a notch below the underground. So his image itself wasn't overly original. His voice wasn't overly original. He wasn't this ridiculous character out of left field. So there were some things missing there to bring him to a a 9.5 or a 10. But other than that, man, I mean, this dude was just incredibly original. And like I said, was just oozing art from his pores. So he gets obviously an incredible score of a 9 there in the originality department. So you add all those six numbers up because we have the extra six points for the classic albums. So you add the lyric score, the album score, the extra six points for the classic albums the song score, the impact score, and the originality score, and you divide by five, which is the number of categories that we have. And that gives you a final rating of 7.46, which puts one below in drum roll, please. Fourth place of 198 artists done overall. So I had updated you guys a couple of weeks ago about how someone finished fourth overall and it slid our other top artist back a slot. We now know who that artist was. One below of Binary Star with an absolutely incredible finish here. And as good as this finish is, I feel that I need to point out the fact that this man had an impact score of a four and still finished this high. So, absolutely remarkable stuff here from One Below of Binary Star, who, quite frankly, is one of the greatest rappers I've ever witnessed in my life. I'll be very curious to see where he winds up at the end of the day. This finish should certainly have him inside of our top 10 overall when this is all said and done. So, major shout outs to One Below of Binary Star, no question. Let's not forget that this solid finish just landed him inside of our top 10 overall which means we get a song breakdown here today. So typically I hit random on a list and we go with what comes up, but I'm actually going to pick the song today as I'd like to pick something with both of these guys on it, even though we're not sure where Sanam Silla will finish yet. I feel I have a good song that will display both artists talents to you guys. So allow me to present to you Binary Star, Reality Check, off of their debut album, Waterworld, which dropped in 1999. One Below is the first verse, and Sanam Silla is the second verse. So let's get into Reality Check by Binary Star here, and prepare to be mind-blown. (laughs) ¶¶ So like I said, that first verse was by one below. And honestly, I intended on stopping that about halfway through, but I just didn't even want to put any type of pause to that mastery that he was doing. So we'll just run through the whole verse now and break it down. He starts off. He says, this is how I represent. I rock the mic 110%. It's intimate. I keeps the party moving like an immigrant. So a couple of things here we have represent 10% intimate immigrant So right away, a whole bunch of syllables rhymed, 12 to be exact, so that right off the bat is going to raise the song score. And then if you look at the line itself, not only does it make perfect sense, but it's a dope line on top of it. This is how I represent. I rock the mic 110%. It's intimate. I keep the party moving like an immigrant. I'm sure you can get what he means there as far as immigrant. You know, I'm sure everybody knows what an immigrant is, somebody that relocated to Somewhere where they weren't originally from. And he's just saying, I keep the party moving like an immigrant. I rock shows. I keep the party moving. So, really dope stuff there right away from One Below. And he just absolutely annihilates this entire verse. Then he goes on to say, Binary Star, Superstar. It's no coincidence. Every verse is intricate. This ain't a circus in a tent. So, when he says Binary Star, Superstar, it's no coincidence. A Binary Star is... A system of two stars that are gravitationally bound to and orbit around each other. So when you think of the whole play on words with the group name and calling somebody a superstar and things like that, I mean, we were just talking before about how artistic and original this dude is. And then you look at the name binary star and it's two, two dudes in the group. And the definition of what a binary star is, is pretty dope to call a two-man hip-hop group Binary Star. So Binary Star, Superstar, it's no coincidence. Every verse is intricate. This ain't a circus in a tent. So you got Coincidence, Intricate, in a tent. So another nine syllables rhyme on the two bars there, which again, anything over eight is gonna raise the song score a little bit. Maybe not directly just from one of those, but I'm trying to point out that those pile up. So, you know, it's not as simple as oh, all right, he rhymed nine syllables, the songs are one and a half. Just rhyming nine syllables or eight syllables on two bars is not in itself going to raise your song score, but it's notches. It's just putting little pegs in the wall, and then eventually that does get to a one and a quarter or a one and a half or a two or whatever the case is because there's been so many of those. So not quite at a one and a half yet here from all that he's done, but we're only four bars in and we're not far away from a one and a half. So obviously incredible stuff here right away off the bat. He continues off that and says, we don't get down like them clowns and the kids. I'm used to being indigent, who said it's all about the Benjamins. So first of all, you have the same rhyme pattern, coincidence, intricate, inattent, in the kids, indigent, Benjamins. So it's all kind of the same thing there. So in the process of that pattern, he has we don't get down A like them clowns A and the kids B. I'm used to being indigent, B, who said it's all about the Benjamins, B. So if you look at those two bars by themselves, it's just an A, A, B, B, B rhyme pattern. But if we go back to the beginning of the song, it's all the same thing. This is how I represent, I rock the mic 110%, it's intimate, I keeps the party moving like an immigrant, buying every star, superstar, it's no coincidence, every verse is intricate, this ain't a circus in a tent, we don't get down like them clowns and the kids I'm used to being indigent who said it's all about the Benjamins. So it is a rhyme pattern because going off of that same rhyme pattern that he's using from the beginning of the song, down and clown do come in between those rhyme patterns, so... The song is already above a one and a half, because again, we have another nine syllables rhymed on those two bars there, plus the rhyme pattern, and then he's got a pretty good line at the end of it, taking a little bit of a shot at Puffy there, and I don't think it's really a direct shot at Puffy, I think he's trying to make a point saying, who the fuck said it's all about the Benjamins? That That's crazy, because to me, that's not what it's about at all, so... Again, I don't think it's a direct shot at Puff. Not that Puff would probably even ever had heard this song. But a pretty dope line there. And again, you mix in all the things he's doing here. We got a rhyme scheme. We got nine syllables rhymed. We got a pretty dope line. All that shit just in two bars there. And just in the first six bars, this guy's got this song over a one and a half already. Just speaking on technicality. So absolutely murder in this verse. You can see already why this dude got a nine. I mean, maybe not a nine, but... You can certainly see that this dude is an incredible lyricist. So let's continue on here and, and see what he says. Building off of who said it's all about the Benjamins. I want a fortune. I want to make music and hit the lottery. Fortunately, my music is never watery. So he's saying, I love money too. I would love to be rich. It's not, I'm not trying to sit here and say that I don't want to be rich. What I'm trying to sit here and say that when it comes to my music, the money is not very important to me. I love making music, but I want to create some really solid, good music that I'm happy and impressed with. I don't want to just create some shit to make money. That's not what I'm here making music for. I want a fortune. I want to make music and hit the lottery. So that in itself is dope. You know, a dope little play. Who said it's all about the Benjamins? I want a fortune. I want to make music and hit the lottery. Fortunately, my music is never watery. A little bit of a stretch there with the way that he says lottery and watery. I know it's not a perfect rhyme, but it definitely does rhyme. And again, we have him saying, I want a fortune. I want to make music and hit the lottery. Fortunately, which again is a play on words. We got fortune and fortunately. My music is never watery. So a lot of times they'll say, you know, you dumbed your music down or you watered your music down for the mainstream or to get on the radio or whatever. So he's just saying, I would love to be rich, but it ain't going to come off the back of my music. I'm going to create what I want to create. And if I get rich one day and I hit the lottery, that would be awesome. But my music is never going to be watered down. Then he says, that's how it's got to be as far as I could see. Maybe you should grab a telescope to see my view. It's like astronomy. So again, gotta be, I can see, astronomy. Another nine syllables rhymed on the two bars there, which I believe he's done on every batch of two bars here. And you can clearly see how when this guy's rhyming syllables, doing rhyme schemes and all that stuff, I spoke about how he was able to do those things and never sacrificed any of the technicalities, the words never took a hit or anything like that. All these things, everything he said so far has not only been technically impressive with syllables and rhyme schemes not only all still made perfect sense but he said a lot of dope things in here so then he goes on to say it ain't all about economy so the fact that all these whack mcs is making g's don't bother me honestly my number one policy is quality never sell my soul is my philosophy high velocity Lyrics like Nostradamus making prophecy. I told you cats a long time ago. It ain't no stopping me. So let's break down some of the technicalities here first. So he says, it ain't all about economy, A. So the fact B, that all these whack B, MCs, C, is making Gs, C, don't bother me, A. So we have an a b b c. C, A rhyme scheme on there. We have the six syllables with economy and bother me. And then we have fact, whack, C's G's. So another 10 syllables rhyme there. Another rhyme pattern. And this one, not only different from his first one, but very rare and very complicated and difficult. A, B, B, C, C, A. We've probably only seen that two to three times on the entire podcast through almost 20 years of hip hop so far. So again, more very impressive stuff. And again, when you take a look at what he's saying, makes perfect sense and is dope. It ain't all about economy. So the fact that all these whack MCs is making Gs don't bother me. Honestly, my number one policy is quality. Never sell my soul is my philosophy. So there we have honestly... Policy, quality, and philosophy. So another 12 syllables rhymed on the two bars there. That line is pretty self-explanatory. Honestly, my number one policy is quality. Never sell my soul is my philosophy. Now coming off of that, his first two words are high velocity. So coming off my philosophy, he rhymes high velocity, which is another eight syllables again right there. So this song is easily up to a good song already, just based off the first half of this guy's first verse, which is insane. But again, high velocity, lyrics like Nostradamus making prophecy, I told you cats a long time ago, it ain't no stopping me. So nothing too special there as far as what he's saying, but again, it makes perfect sense. He's saying lyrics like Nostradamus making prophecy, who predicted a lot of things, And he's saying, I told you cats a long time ago, it ain't no stopping me. I predicted that. Now I'm here. I told you a long time ago, there was no stopping me. And now we're here. See, I was right. I'm like Nostradamus making prophecy. So that's not something special that I would raise the song score or put the notches in for. But the my philosophy, high velocity, and the fact that velocity, prophecy, and stopping me are again, another nine syllables rhymed on the next two bars We're getting close to going over a two here for the song score. Then he goes on to say, I'll bomb your set. That's not a threat. It's a promise. Got everybody riding on my wagon like the Amish. So these are probably, and I'm going to use this word, quote unquote, worst very loosely here. But these are probably the worst two bars that One Below has said here on this verse so far. And the only reason I'm even saying that is because... Yes, the bars lead into each other, they make sense, everything he's saying is totally fine, but it's nothing really special where we're going to put in any notches to raise the song score, and his rhyme pattern here is A-A-B-B, and there's only six syllables rhymed in total, so it's probably the first time that he's been under eight. His rhyme scheme is not in between the other rhymes. They're not internal rhymes. So it's not anything that's going to raise the score with rhyme schemes or syllables. And I don't think what he said is enough to, to throw in a notch to raise the song score either. So a quote unquote filler line there from one below. And what's crazy is that there are so many times that people have bad lines. Not only does this guy not have bad lines, But on his bars that he takes off, which are pretty rare, I mean, we're up to about bar 10 here, and he's absolutely annihilated everything up to this point, but even his quote-unquote off bars or his worst bars still had an A-A-B-B rhyme pattern and still had six syllables rhymed on it. So that's what I'm saying when I talk about this guy's worst stuff was great and things like that and... You know, just all the things that come with what this guy was able to do. It was just absolutely incredible stuff. So I did want to point out that those are the first two bars that haven't put any notches in at all to raise the song score. So absolutely impressive stuff here. He goes on to say, But still, I never claim to be a big rap star because no matter who you are, there's still Allah Akbar. So obviously a Muslim here of the Islam religion and, you know, Allah obviously the version of God that he prays to. And he's just trying to make a point here that, yeah, I said everybody riding on my wagon like the Amish, but still, I never claimed to be a big rap star because no matter who you are, there's still this guy above you, no matter what. You could be the number one most popular, commercially successful, biggest rap star of all time, and it still pales in comparison to Allah. So again, there's nothing there that's gonna put any notches in to raise the song score, but... Still making a strong point here, still making sense, still feeding off of what was prior to it and leading into what comes after it. So just still more good stuff, even though we're not necessarily raising the song score. Then he goes on to say, better believe this, most rappers can't achieve this. I'm bad to the bone, but x-rays can't even see this. So we got a couple of meanings behind this line here. Now, before we get into what the line means, I don't want anybody to be deceived. Because it looks like there's more syllables than there is. Believe this, achieve this, see this. It's this on every single one. So it's really just believe, achieve, and see. So nothing special there as far as the amount of syllables are rhymed. No rhyme scheme or anything right there that's going to raise this song score. But let's look at what he's saying. Better believe this. Most rappers can't achieve this. I'm bad to the bone, but x-rays can't even see this. So this is a really dope double entendre here. And what I mean by that, if you're not aware, is there are more than one meaning to what he's trying to say. So there's a term called bad to the bone. I'm, I'm rough, I'm rugged, I'm bad to the bone, I'm the best, whatever, right? There's a song called bad to the bone. So he's just taking that popular term and applying it to himself, right? But when you listen to what he's saying, bad to the bone... X-rays take pictures of your bones. We can't see our bones really aside from our teeth unless you get really badly busted up and have a compound fracture or something like that. We can't see our bones without an X-ray. So it makes sense to say I'm bad to the bone, but X-rays can't even see this. Because I'm bad to the bone, but you can't even see how dope I am, even with an X-ray. Now, the second meaning behind this is is, it's again, another term, you can't see me. I'm too good for you, bro. I'm above you. I'm beyond your level. You can't see me. So we could take out the bad to the bone part, right? And you could just say, x-rays can't even see this. And it makes sense. But when you couple it with, I'm bad to the bone, but x-rays can't even see this. Now we have two meanings behind the punchline there. So that is a really dope line there. A nice double entendre, a nice punchline there from one below. And You can see again through this first verse, this guy is not only capable and able of doing many different things to raise the song score, but he's capable and able and does put them all together in the same two bar sequences. It's not just one thing after the other, which would be impressive enough in itself. But this guy is able to to squeeze them all into the same couple of bars sometimes and shit like that. So impressive stuff on multiple levels here from one below. Then he goes on to say... See, I'm strategic. I'll let your money talk bullshit walk while I keep it rolling like paraplegics. So again, there's another term here that he brings up, another popular term. Money talks, bullshit walks. So he says, see, I'm strategic. I'll let your money talk bullshit walk while I keep it rolling like paraplegics. So he's basically just saying, you you can let your money talk for you. If that's what you need... If you need money to talk for you, then that's fine. I'll let your money talk for you. You can go fake and pretend and whatever the hell it is that you're going to do, let your money talk for you, flash your money around, all these things. He's trying to just make a big point here of you do your thing. If that's what you feel defines you and makes you good or makes you successful or pumps up your ego or whatever the case is that's cool I'm gonna keep it rolling like paraplegics so again another term Yo, know just keep it rolling you know what I'm saying keep it moving bro it's kind of just saying don't pay any mind to the nonsense fuck this shit keep doing your thing and don't worry about it now a paraplegic is somebody who is paralyzed from the waist down So, obviously, those people would be in a wheelchair and would be rolling in those wheelchairs. So, again, listen to it. See, I'm strategic. I'll let your money talk. Bullshit walk while I keep it rolling like paraplegics. You do your thing, bro. Let me keep it rolling over here and do my thing. So, not only does that make sense, not only is it a good line, but again, we have another eight syllables rhyme there. And an A, B, B, A rhyme pattern. See, I'm strategic, A. I'll let your money talk, B. Bullshit walk, B. While I keep it rolling like paraplegics, A. So, again, eight syllables rhymed. An A, B, B, A rhyme pattern on top of these bars making sense, leading into each other well, and being a pretty dope line. We're close to pushing a two and a half here just based on the first verse from one below. So then he goes on and says... Whoever's on the microphone, let it be known. You in danger. I got next like the Boston Strangler. So there's actually a bunch of things to talk about on these two bars here. So he says, whoever's on the microphone, let it be known. And then there's a pause. Now, it's not a run-on bar because what he's doing is having a pause in the sentence, like a semicolon. Whoever's on the microphone, let it be known. And then, well, let it be known what? You in danger. I got next like the Boston Strangler. So he's basically saying, if you're on the microphone, you're up there and you're rapping. I'm up next, bro. And I'm going to kill it way more than you did. So I don't know what you want to do. I don't know if you want to just get off now and hand me the microphone or if you want to just never rap again or whatever the case is. But I'm coming to kill shit. Now he has a little play on words here because a lot of times when people speak, especially when they're speaking, you know, quickly or talking in a certain sense. Words kind of sound like all the words. So he's really saying, I got next. But if you say it really quick, it could sound like necks. Like under your head, necks. Like your neck that you swallow with and you turn your head with and shit like that. The Boston Strangler was a murderer in Boston. I believe it was in the 1960s. And he killed like 15 or 20 women. Sexually assaulted them and strangled them. So, if you swap the word next with necks... That makes sense. I got next like the Boston Strangler. But then you would say, what does that mean you got next? What the fuck are you saying you got next? Well, he's not saying next. He's saying next. It just sounds like next. So a little bit of a play on words there, but it's also a shortcut because the one bar is whoever's on the microphone, let it be known. That rhymes with itself. The next bar is you in danger. I got next like the Boston Strangler. So... Bar 13 there rhymes with itself. Bar 14 there rhymes with itself as well. So it is a shortcut. On top of the fact that it's pushing to be a run on bar, I definitely would take a little notch down, at least for this just being um, a shortcut. But again, we got a pretty dope line there with the I got next like the Boston Strangler. You don't really have to give the guy credit for it. It's an iffy one. It's a borderline one. It's a little bit of a reach. It makes sense. It's pretty dope. But I could definitely see people not liking it. In scenarios like this where it's not clear cut and dry. And it becomes more of an opinion of. Ah, that's not a fucking good line bro. He, he's not even saying next. Doesn't make any fucking sense. I right, cool. Don't give it to him bro. When it comes to people like this. I always don't give them the benefit of the doubt. Because, quite frankly, you don't need to to make your point. You don't need to... I'm going to take a notch away here for this line, and we'll keep this down by a 2.25 or something like that. You know, closer to that than a a 2.5. Because I just want to point out that it doesn't matter the opinions or the discrepancies. I will give you guys the benefit of the doubt on everything. And I will say, not only is that not a dope enough line to add to the song score... But I'll actually take something away because of the shortcut. So I do that on purpose to make a point that it's not going to matter. This is still going to be a great song. This dude is still an absolutely incredible lyricist at the end of the day. So yes, I will I will be a little bit harder on him to make a point and to make sure that you guys don't think that I'm picking and choosing You know what I want to give people credit for and who's dope and who's getting extra points and things like that. Trust me, it's all done in the proper way, and the scores are all what they are. Then he ends his verse off by saying, You ain't never heard an MC speak like this, and Rodney King ain't never felt a beat like this. So I'm pretty sure that everybody is aware of what happened with Rodney King. There was a video of Rodney King getting beat pretty badly by the police, and, you know, I don't want to get too into this, but... somehow, some way, these people were let off, I believe, and uh, it sounds ridiculous even coming out of my mouth, I'm astonished that, that that could even be a real thing that happened, but let's not get too sidetracked on, you know, what was right and what was wrong, the fact of the matter is that Rodney King was fucking beat, no doubt about it, so he's basically just speaking to his beat that he's rhyming over, so a little play on words there, like, this beat is so dope, Rodney King ain't never even felt a beat like this. So again, another dope line. And that's going to push the song up back closer to a two and a half. I won't give it a two and a half yet, but I'm just letting you guys know generally. Again, I haven't been counting every single thing. I do know that this song was scored a three. I remember I listened to this guy not that long ago. So this song was without a doubt scored a three. But again, I'm just trying to make a point and, you know, go to the low end of the spectrum to show you that even if you're not giving this guy the benefit of the doubt on anything, this is still going to reach a score of a three and be a great song. So the rest of the hook rides out. And then the second verse comes in, which like I said, is Sanam Silla's verse. So we'll let the rest of the hook play out. We'll let Sanam Silla's verse play out and then we'll break that down.
1: I I, 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 want to do something else. Get a grip on yourself cause you ain't gripping minds Life and times out of lives Rap guys out of line careers I finalize Collide with this serenade cyanide You've applied for a suicide The thing that makes killers hide Hang them high by their gold link necktie And drain them dry at the tempest die Now you ain't high, so you ain't that high Wanna be aeronautic Then get swatted for acting fly Mastermind Rhymes, ill went from drafty lines They chill spines like the alpines Running up on to bind a close encounter of the worst kind Go ask some cats and herd, I'm lyrical turpentine who wanna taste mine? I carry hell on the waistline. God give the baseline, so let the flame fly. I sub my 7-5 through the MI. When I forcefully Jedi in the pool, I red eye. Heads fly, bad eye. Sharpshoot, dead eye. Snooze, cruise that by Mary Lou, flippin' eye. Paper punk, grippin' eye. Stompin' I Simplify, represent, temper I Signify, walking rhyme. Make nothing similar with Gemini. We're in this perimeter, so Gemini. Cats be cut dry. I'm a wild, wet guy. I be raining precipitation till it's wanted. From neck high, rest fly, kids mid-sky Without an alibi, who said you rap tight? You come and rabble by a slice of this rap, scalpel guys, quick as apple pie I'm learned in all schools of thought and shit you babble by Conceptual, intellectual, Till Silla oxide, rhymes flow like a rock slide You must have forgot I slap your ass, knock, need a cock got Who's battered? Broken up, open cut, dipped in peroxide Death to the pot fly good, good. Usually I don't do request numbers of course, I have been asked to do so.
0: So again, that was Binary Star, Reality Check, off their debut album, Waterworld, which dropped in 1999. And let's just break down Sanam Silla's last verse here in the song, and then we'll move on. So he says... Get a grip on yourself, because you ain't gripping nines. Life and times idolize rap guys out of line. Careers are finalize. So first of all, 11 syllables rhymed on the two bars there. So that's definitely impressive stuff. That right there probably puts the song up to a two and a half. And if you listen to what he says, it's pretty dope. Get a grip on yourself, because you ain't gripping nines. I mean, how many people talk all the time... You know, how many people rap about guns in their music and shit like that? And I spoke about how this group was very original with their message and their goals in hip-hop. They didn't have the same goals as most other rappers. So, you know, get a grip on yourself is a term. I mean, come on, bro. Get a fucking grip on yourself. Wake up. You know what I mean? You're kind of just telling somebody to come to grips with reality and, you know, acknowledge reality. Get a grip on yourself, bro. Who do you think you are? So he's saying, get a grip on yourself because you ain't gripping nines. And then he says, life and times idolize rap guys out of line. Careers are finalized. So he's basically just saying, how many fucking guys are there? You know, you idolize rap guys out of line. You're, you're looking at these people on these magazines and the TV and these people holding guns and doing this. And it's like, you know, these kids are being taught to idolize these people that are fucking clowns. These dudes are out of line. Careers are finalized. So... Definitely good stuff to start the verse there for Sanam Silla. Then he goes on to say, Collide with this serenade cyanide, you've applied for a silicide, the thing that makes killers hide. So a serenade basically is you know a musical performance, which is basically an honor of someone or something, is essentially what the definition of it is. So he's saying, collide with this serenade cyanide. Cyanide is a poison. So he's basically saying, my song that I've created for you is going to kill you. You've applied for psilicide, the thing that makes killers hide. So his name is Sanam Silla, and you know, you have pesticides, genocide. You know, side is basically the killing of, or, or something that kills or whatever. So he's basically calling it psilicide, the thing that makes killers hide. So nothing really too special on those two bars there. I mean... Pretty dope, but again, nothing that's going to really throw notches in to raise the song score. So, you know, basically just, like I said, you know, suicide, whatever. So he's just kind of turning it into like part of his name, basically just saying, I'll kill you. You've applied for a suicide, the thing that makes killers hide. And then he says, hang him high by the gold link necktie and drain him dry into tempest eye." So nothing really special there that's going to raise the song score, and I want you guys to pay attention here because you're going to notice a couple of things. So the, the first two lines there by Sanam Silo were definitely dope. There was 11 syllables rhymed. You had the cool line about, uh, you know, get a grip on yourself and, you know, the play on words there and stuff like that. Then we had a scenario on the next two bars where cool little play on words and a decent amount of syllables rhyme there, but not quite as good as the first two. And then we have bars five and six here which is the third set and it's kind of just a self-explanatory bar that doesn't really have anything special about it so again i'm not trying to knock this guy but if you compare that to the first three sets of bars the first six bars from one below he had gone absolutely ballistic on those first six bars so the reason i'm saying this Is I want to point out what the difference between these guys is and I'm not saying that this guy is not good But there's definitely clear differences between these guys and another thing that you'll see going forward a lot of times is in scenarios with one below where he had so many syllables run which was almost on every two bar sequence He had like eight nine ten eleven almost every single two bar sequence except for maybe the exception of like two this guy, when he does stuff like that, a lot of times they won't be perfect rhymes or there'll be a lot of syllables, but it'll kind of just be random words or he won't be really speaking in a normal fashion or you know the bars won't lead into each other well or won't have anything to do with each other or whatever. So I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth. When it happens, we'll get there. But I'm just trying to point out going forward how things are a little bit different here than they were for one below. Even though we have still had some stuff here that has raised the song score. So when he says, now you ain't Kai, so you ain't that high. Kai is the earth goddess in the Sumerian religion who is the chief consort of the sky god, En. So again, when you look at it like that, it makes sense. Now you ain't Kai, so you ain't that high. That kind of goes back to the same thing... That one below had said earlier, when he was referring to Allah, right? No matter who you are, there's still Allahu Akbar. So no matter how big of a rap star you are, no matter how popular, famous, successful, whatever word you want to use you are, you're still always going to pale in comparison to Allah. So don't get on your fucking high horse. Same thing here. Now you ain't Kai, so you ain't that high. Then he says, want to be aeronautic, then get swatted for act and fly really dope line here in so many different ways. So if you're not aware, aeronautics is basically the study and design of flight capable machines is basically the, the quickest way to put it. So building planes, building rocket ships, all that type of shit is aeronautics. So he says now you ain't Kai, so you ain't that high. Wanna be aeronautic? Then get swatted for act and fly. So, he speaks about being high, he uses the word aeronautic, you want to be aeronautic, then you'll get swatted for acting fly. Now, fly, as I'm sure most of you know, is a term for basically being dope, I look good, I look fly, I'm a fly dude, whatever way you want to word it, right? Most people know what I'm talking about. And... What do you do with flies when they're in your house for the most part? I mean, unless you love flies for whatever reason, you hit them with a fly swatter or you have like a fucking thing that they get stuck to and you throw them out, right? So listen to the line. You ain't high, so you ain't that high. Want to be aeronautic, then get swatted for acting fly. Really dope line there. And on top of that, we have another nine syllables rhymed on top of the good line. And we have an A, A, B, B, A rhyme pattern here. Now, you ain't Kai, A, so you ain't that high, A. Wanna be aeronautic, B, then get swatted, B, for act and fly, A. So, really dope stuff there. That two-bar sequence right there is way more similar to what 1B Low did for almost the entire verse. We got more than eight syllables rhyme there. We have... An impressive rhyme scheme and a dope line all in a two-bar sequence there. So, really dope stuff there on those two bars from Sanam Silla. And again, while it might not exactly be up to the par that one below set, there's still been some very, very positive stuff on this verse here by Sanam Silla. Then he goes on to say, Masterminds, crafty rhymes, ill wind from drafty lines, that chill spines like the Alpines. So again, a pretty dope couple of bars here. So masterminds and crafty rhymes. Again, it's not a perfect rhyme, but it's definitely more than one syllable. Then he goes on to say ill wins from drafty lines. Now a draft can be more than one thing, right? You could say, you know, shut the window. There's a draft coming in or there's a draft coming through the cracks in the doors or the cracks in the windows. It means like a cold chill, like a draft coming in. A draft could also be a rough draft, like something that I'm not really done with this yet. I just kind of started it or whatever. It's just a rough draft. Ill win from drafty lines that chill spines like the Alpines. So he's basically just saying like, even my lines that I'm not done with could fucking send tingles down your spine. And he refers to the Alpines, which again is a double entendre. There's the Alpine mountains, which are definitely very cold. And then there's a company, Alpine, that makes speakers and stuff. So a couple of dope things there from Sanam Silla on these two bars. And, you know, this is probably close to about at least a 2.75 here. So like I said, it it gets a three. I just want to keep you somewhat updated as to how we're getting to the three. So coming off of what he says about Alpines, he says, Running up on Sanam's turbines, a close encounter of the worst kind. Go ask them cats that heard on um, lyrical turpentine. So there's a movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which is about like aliens or whatever. Um, there's another movie called The Fourth Kind. Um, so he's referring to, you know, that term of a close encounter. But he's saying, I'm a close encounter of the worst kind. I don't give a shit what number you want to give it. Give it number five. Give it number 100. I'm a close encounter of the worst kind. Go ask them cats that heard on lyrical turpentine. So again, I pointed this out earlier. It's not a perfect rhyme, but it's definitely not just the single syllables. Worst kind, heard on, turpentine. It's not turpine, because that's not how it's pronounced, but turpentine. So again, not a perfect rhyme, doesn't get the nine syllables there, but what he's saying makes sense, lyrical turpentine. Turpentine is... An extremely dangerous chemical that could essentially kill you. So, you know, just saying I'm lyrical turpentine, I'm not I'm the last person that you would want to fuck with. You do not want to battle me or see me in any type of rap shit. Then he goes on to say, Who wanna taste mine? I carry hell on the waistline. God's gift to baseline. So a couple of things here. When he says I carry hell on the waistline, he's probably referring to more than one thing. Guns are called heat a lot of times. So instead of just simply saying, I carry heat on my waistline, he's saying, I carry hell on my waistline. Again, he's referring to a gun, but just says it in an artistic way. But you also could fail to catch the next line where he says, God's gift to baseline. So coming off of, you know, I'm a close encounter of the worst kind. I'm lyrical turpentine. Who want to taste mine? I carry hell on the waistline, but I'm God's gift to baselines so two dope little subtle lines there of I carry hell on the waistline and I'm God's gift to basslines. Just talking about, you know, a song or music, I should say music is created mostly for someone to sing or whatever they're going to do over it. Right? So he's saying I'm God's gift to basslines. When it comes to music, I'm the best thing that could happen to beats to music and shit like that. And again, it was a play on words with I carry hell on the wasteland. So just two opposing things there. Two artistic ways to say it. Nothing super ridiculous, but pretty dope stuff there. Very subtle little dope things there. He says, so let the phlegm fly. I'm semi-75 through the MI when I forcefully Jedi. When he says I semi-75 through the MI, he's just referring to Interstate 75 that runs from New York through to Michigan, All the way through the middle of the state up to Canada. And obviously there's lots of semi trucks driving on there. As you know you have trucks transporting goods. Very long distances and shit like that. So again this is another example of him using a lot of you know I semi 75 through the MI when I forcefully Jedi. So it's one of those scenarios where it's probably not as ridiculous as it sounds because... There's a lot of things thrown in there that are probably unnecessary. I mean, even the line itself, I semi seven five through to MI when I forcefully Jedi. It's like, alright, it, I don't want to say it doesn't make sense. It makes sense, but it's like, it's unnecessary. But again, he does have eight syllables rhymed in there, so good stuff there when it comes to that. And then he goes on to say, In a bullseye, red-eye, heads fly, bed-eye, sharpshoot, dead-eye. So that's pretty dope stuff there. I mean, that makes perfect sense. In a bullseye, red-eye, heads fly, bed-eye, sharpshoot, dead-eye. And while I don't think that what he's saying is enough in itself to really, you know, put a notch in to raise the song score, it again, it does make perfect sense, and I get what he's saying, and he does rhyme another eight syllables there. So again... This is right on the cusp of being a three here easily. It might have actually technically hit a three already, but like I said, I haven't been closely paying attention and directly adding these things up, but I know the song does get a three. We're just about there right now. So we'll get into the rest of his verse here and see how we get there. He says Coming off of In a Bullseye, Red Eye, Heads Fly, Bed Eye, Sharpshoot, Dead Eye, he says, Snooze Cruise, Bed Buy. Mary Lou flippin', I paper punk rip it, I stomp it, I simplify, represent temper I signified, walking rhyme, ain't nothing similar, or Gemini are in this perimeter, of him and I. So, a lot of stuff there when you talk about rhyme schemes and syllables and shit. So, coming off of red eye, heads fly, bed eye, sharpshoot, dead eye, then he throws in Snooze Cruise... And then he goes to bed by. So we have a little bit of a rhyme scheme there coming off the line before it. Then he says, Mary Lou flippin', I paper punk rip it, I stomp it, I semper represent temper I signified. So again, this is a thing here where you can tell that, again, like I said, the rhyme schemes and the syllables are on point here. But when you look at the actual words of what he's saying, again, I don't want to say it doesn't make sense. It makes sense, but a lot of these rhymes are just totally random. He's just throwing in random shit. I semplify, represent, temper, I signified. It's like, alright, what are you really saying? Walking rhyme ain't nothing similar or Gemini are in this perimeter except him and I. So again, rhyme schemes and syllables and stuff like that on point. But he's kind of just throwing random words here and mixing them together. So this is good that we're having this because I'm not sure that we've really ever had anything like this up to this point in the study. And I want to point out to people that, and again, this is not to knock this guy, and I'm not saying that none of this makes sense. I'm just speaking going forward so that when I when I say this, when I'm speaking on other people, you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about. Okay, I can sit here, and I'm not trying to be a dick or a clown here. I'm just being, you know, realistic. I can sit here and say water bottle, slaughter follows, order hollows, poor tacos, sorta hot flows. You could just go on and on and say random things that rhyme, no matter how many syllables they are. You could just throw different words together in different orders and you could make a ridiculous amount of rhyme schemes and syllables. But is anything you're saying making any sense? Are these sentences? Like, if you weren't rhyming all those syllables and using those rhyme scheme stuff, would you talk anything like this? Would you randomly just say those words and then look at somebody for a reply? They would be like, what? You just said 12 random words to me or 16 random words. That wasn't a sentence. That was just 16 random words. So, and again, I'm not saying that he just said 16 random words. I'm just trying to point out that, This is in no way, shape, or form the exact same thing as what One Below was doing. There are technically impressive things here on these lines, but most of this is just rhyming words to rhyme words. Now, you can get away with this to a certain extent with some stuff, but I'm just trying to point out that, yes, there is a line. There is a limit to this. You can't just come on a track and just say random word after random word, and you actually said nothing but a bunch of random words, but there were so many rhyme schemes and syllables. It doesn't matter, bro. You have to use rhyme schemes and syllables in a sense where the things that you're saying are leading into each other and making sense. You can't just throw random words together and say, I murdered that. So I didn't think that any of the actual words that he was saying here were enough to throw any notches in to raise the song score. But like I said, there were some impressive rhyme schemes and syllables, but not really done in the fashion that it's going to raise the song score. Then he goes off to say, cats be cut dry. I'm a wild wet guy. I'll be raining precipitation till it's one inch from neck high. So again, cut and dry is a term used to just explain things. I mean, I've probably used it in this podcast where I've said, you know, that's very cut and dry and self-explanatory. It's basically just saying there's no hidden meanings. There's no complicated things involved and it's very cut and dry. It's the same thing as saying it's very black and white. There's not a lot of disparity in there. It's just very cut and dry. So he's saying, cats be cut and dry. I'm a wild wet guy. So a couple of things here. Number one, the name of the album is Waterworld. So I can understand why he's saying I'm a wild wet guy. It ties into the name of their album. And furthermore, he says, I'll be raining precipitation until it's one inch from neck high. You know, just saying, I'm making you cats sweat. You guys are nervous. And, you know, I'll make that happen until it's one inch from neck high. Obviously being extreme. No one's ever going to sweat enough to fill a room neck high in sweat. That's one of those lines. Like I always use Jadakiss as an example. When my coat come in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the whales with. I mean, obviously not being literal. Being extremely ridiculous in order to make a strong point here. So, you know, he uses cats being cut and dry and then just says, I'm a wild, wet guy, which is a play on words with their album Waterworld and just him basically saying that whatever it is that you're going to call them, call me the opposite cuz I'm nothing like these people. So then he goes on to say arrest fly kids mid sky without an alibi. So it's the same rhyme pattern here as wet guy neck high and then he ends with alibi, right? So it's the same long i sound that he's rhyming, guy, high, alibi, right? In the midst of that, he says, Arrest Fly A, Kids B, Mid B, Sky A, without an alibi A. So we have an A, B, B, A, A rhyme pattern there, which again is impressive. At this point, after those lines, we're definitely at a three here, just for the record. Then he goes on to say, Who said you rap tight? You come unraveled by. Slice of this rap scalpel guy as quick as apple pie. Again, another play on words. Saying that somebody raps tight or, yo, those clothes are tight, bro. I mean, maybe nowadays they might be speaking literally saying your clothes are tight, unfortunately. But back in these times, tight men dope. You know what I mean? Like, that shit is tight, bro. That shit is dope. So he's saying, who said you rap tight? You come unraveled by a slice of this rap scalpel guy as quick as apple pie. So he's just, you know, a little play on words. Somebody said, you rap tight, you'll come unraveled by. And then when we look at the syllables here, unraveled by, slice it rap wrap, scalpel guy, as quick as apple pie. So again, it's not perfect rhymes, raveled by, scalpel guy's, apple pie. It's not scalpel guys, it's scalpel. And it's not alpel, it's apple. So again, not perfect rhymes. But definitely enough syllables rhymed here in these two bars to, you know, give the song another notch. Not that it needs it. Like I said, at this point, the song is definitely at a three. But I'm just trying to, you know, point out what's going on in the verses here for you guys as we near the end of this second verse. Then he says, I'm learned in all schools of thought and shit you baffled by. Conceptual intellectual fox sly Scylla oxide. Rhymes flow like a rock slide. So he says, I'm learned in all schools of thought and shit you baffled by. Basically just saying, bro, shit that baffles you? Like, I I already know that. I'm levels above you when it comes to intelligence and stuff like that. Then he says, conceptual intellectual fox lie. And again, this is another example of, yes, the technicalities are on point. We have the A, B, B, A rhyme pattern there, right? But kind of just thrown in there, conceptual, intellectual Fox Sly. It really should be Sly Fox, right? But the bar before it ends with baffled by. So if he does Sly Fox, he has to put something else before Sly and then Sly Fox becomes a run on bar. So again, the technicalities are on point, but what he had to do to get those technicalities like that prevents him from really raising anything. And then he says Scylla Oxide rhymes flow like a rock slide. Which again, it makes sense, but it's nothing special that's going to throw any notches to raise the score. Then he says, You must have forgot I'd slap your ass knock-kneed and cock-eyed. Bruise batted, broken up, open cut, dipped in peroxide. Death to the pop fly. So saying you must have forgot I'd slap your ass knock-kneed and cockeyed," is very self-explanatory. And then he says, Bruised, battered, broken up, open cut, dipped in peroxide. So now we have, you must have forgot eyed, A. Slap your ass, knock, knee, and cock eyed, A. Bruised, battered, broken up, B. Open cut, B. Dipped in peroxide, A. So, again, when you break down what he's saying, it's not really that dope and it doesn't really... Like mean anything. Yes, it makes sense, but it doesn't really mean anything. You must have forgot, I'd slap your ass, knock, kneed, and cock-eyed, bruise, battered, broken up, open cut, dipped in peroxide. He's just painting a picture there. I'll fuck you up. I'll slap you, I'll cut you. You know, you can tend to your wounds in whatever way you, you deal with him. Bruise, battered. But again, we have the rhyme scheme and another ten syllables rhymed on the two bars there. So... Again, more impressive stuff. And then he ends it with saying death to the pop fly, which is kind of a double entendre. When you talk about pop music, that's most of the shit that these guys are shitting on, right? Like this, you know, commercially mainstream successful rappers who they believe are dumb and faking and just making music for money and doing it for all the wrong reasons and just making pop music and calling it rap, right? So death to the pop fly. But a pop fly is also basically a routine out in baseball. So he's saying, not only am I going to kill you, you know, pop rappers, but I'm going to make it look as easy as a pop fly. So again, a nice little double entendre, a little dope, little subtle line there to end the verse. And again, man, I'm just going to say, I know I've said it a bunch of times, but now that the song is over, that clearly gets rated a three. That is absolutely a great song. No question about it. And probably their most popular song. I don't really know that they have any quote-unquote popular songs. But when I talk about this song being popular, I'm talking about in comparison to the rest of their music. If you go type in Binary Star, it's probably just going to come up the regular search of what a real Binary Star is. But if you type in Binary Star Hip Hop Group or maybe Binary Star on YouTube or a music site or something like that... Reality Check is probably always going to be the first song that comes up. So again, while it wasn't necessarily popular, it was probably the most popular of their songs, and I certainly knew about it. So I'm not saying that this song needs anything to to raise it, like we had to start it off at a one and a half in order for it to get to a three. But nonetheless, this song definitely reaches a three one way or the other, whether you give it that credit to start off or not, which again, I guess is going to be different for most people. And we've spoke about the only bias in this study coming from things that can't be helped. I can't know the rapper that lives on the corner in California and never puts his stuff on the internet and becomes famous. I I can't go back and grow up there and know that person. There are certain things that are just going to be what they are and there's not anything that I can do about it. So, you know, let this be a scenario like that where I knew this song. This was, you know, not only a popular song to me, and the people that I hung out with and listened to music with, but was their most popular song. So, again, there are some biases that can't be avoided, but in scenarios like this, this is why I like to just lowball everything. I didn't give them the half a point for me knowing the song. I didn't have to. It was still a three. I didn't give them credit for that one line that was borderline, or those two lines that were borderline. Didn't have to. Still hits a great song, so... That's why I do stuff like that, because I don't want people turning around at the end of this and saying, Ah, bullshit, bro, that ain't a three, or this guy didn't reach a nine lyrically, he ain't that good, bro. And it's like, he's not? There were so many times where I could have given him credit for shit, and I actually didn't. And the song was still a three. And he still got a nine lyrically. So I don't know what basis you're going off of saying that he wasn't that good, because there were plenty of times that I could have gave him more credit, and I didn't, and he still reached these numbers, so extremely impressive stuff here, we're on One Below right now, we're talking about One Below, and yes, he was the better of the two, especially when it came to lyrically, and he was the better of the two in that song also specifically, but Just great stuff around the board from both of those guys and and a group effort to get that song to a three there. So absolutely incredible stuff there. And now that we've broken down one below and gotten a taste of both members of Binary Star, let's get into the other half of the group and see what we got here for Sanam Silla who had his debut solo album out in 2007. His birth name is Ross Rowe. His origins listed as Aurora, Colorado. Genres are listed as hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1988 to 2014. So even less there for Sanam Silla than there was for one below, but like I said, I don't expect there to be an overabundance of information on either of these guys, as they were super underground, but we do see that they are from two different places. Like I spoke about, they actually met in prison, and we also see that Sanam Silla officially retired from music in 2014. So no longer actively making music, but let's check out some more background info on him and see if there's anything else there. Ross Rowe, known professionally as Sanam Silla, which is all is mind spelled backwards, is a hip-hop artist from Pontiac, Michigan, best known for his role in the rap duo Binary Star. Sanam Silla co-hosts the Forally Show with lifelong friend and Shade45 DJ Rude Jude. As of March 2014, Sanam Silla is retired from music. So again, not too much there, mostly basic stuff, but definitely some interesting info about his name. I was not aware that Sanam Silla was all his mind spelled backwards, even after I covered him and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool, pretty interesting stuff there, and we do see that he co-hosts a show on Shade45, and it also has him listed in there as being from Pontiac, Michigan, So he must have moved from Colorado before he started rapping or something because I'm not sure why else those locations would be different. But nonetheless, let's get into my synopsis of Sanam Silla and see how that reads. On his material with Binary Star, Sanam Silla was similar to one below but not quite as good and with more technical problems. He had some dope lines, was good in spots with syllables, and showed the ability to utilize different rhyme schemes. That being said, he also used run-on bars and shortcuts fairly often and was inconsistent with his flow that was sometimes amazing and at other times questionable. On his solo material, he seemed to get overly abstract and some technicalities took a hit, finishing him at just above average lyrically overall. Sanam Silla registered significantly less material than his binary star partner. Only two albums with the group and one solo. Of the two group albums, one was a classic and the other was a great album. His solo album was a good album. His song score was also carried by the group efforts with four of his 35 registered songs being great, another 15 being good, and the remaining 16 being average with all four of those great songs coming from Binary Star. As a group, their impact was very low. As a solo artist, Sanam Silla was even slightly lower with a very small catalog and no other artist influence to date. When it came to originality, he certainly seemed to be himself and pave his own lane with his own messages, but never really had enough material to show an abundance of unique artistry. So again, that breakdown kind of reflects what I was talking about when we were reading the lyrics with One Below and Sanam Silla talking about how... This guy did do some impressive stuff, but it wasn't necessarily quite to the level of one below. We're talking about lyrics. We're talking about the amount of material put out, the amount of songs, the amount of albums and things like that. So again, there were definitely some similarities, but one was just not quite on the same level as the other. And that basically came in every category possible. So let's break down the math on Sanam Silla and see how it compares and see where he finishes. Lyrics, he gets a five and a half, and again, you have to take a bunch of things into consideration here. First of all, quite frankly, just to be, you know, black and white about it, Sanam Silla was just not as good as one below. So, off the bat, when we look at certain things, okay, this guy got a nine, everybody starts at a five, so right in between there would be around a six and a half, right? Put him in between the five and the nine and give him a seven, right? Let's call it a seven right there because he's doing similar things but not quite as good. Well, then you have to take other things into consideration. You have to take into consideration that when this guy was doing these impressive things, for the most part, some of the other technical aspects of the verses were taking hits. Okay, maybe he's down to a six and a half or so, right? We also have to keep into consideration only 35 songs in comparison to, what was it, 159 by one below only three albums in comparison to 11. So again, even if they were exactly the same, one below would still be getting a higher score for keeping that pace for a longer period of time. We've made the comparison of Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky many times before where their points-per-game numbers are very similar. But Gretzky was able to keep those points-per-game average over 20 seasons of hockey where Mario Lemieux was probably closer to around 10 seasons of hockey. One guy being a certain level of impressive for a much longer period of time then makes what he's doing even more impressive. So those things into consideration, he's probably down to a six instead of a seven at that point. And then again, like I said, on his solo material, for whatever reason, and I'm, I'm not trying to knock the guy again, everybody's free to do what they want with their art. But for whatever reason... He got very, very, very abstract on his solo material, and some of the technicalities definitely took a hit. And I do remember that pulling him from a 6 to a a 5.5. So overall, he gets a just above average score of a a 5.5 there lyrically. Albums, he gets a 5.39 with one classic, which even though that's a very solid score, it again pales in comparison to one below score of 6.78, which is above a full point higher than Sanam Silla's score. And Sanam Silla does get the one point for the classic album, but again, compared to the six points for six classic albums that One Below got, we can see where there's a gap there. Now, a couple of things to point out here about the One Classic. Yes, he's going to get the extra point, which is low in comparison to six extra points that One Below got, but it's still 33% of his material. So yes, One Below able to register six classic albums, possibly even seven as one was a borderline classic, and Sanam Silla only able to register one, which six or seven classics in comparison to one is six or seven times the amount, right? Well, yes, but the one classic album is still 33% of his total overall work. So that is impressive. Now pointing out that impressive side to it, we also have to point out the other side that that one classic album was only got in conjunction with the group. He wasn't able to register a classic album on his own, not even close. So there's a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration here when we're talking about these numbers. For people that have small bodies of work or are in groups and things like that, some of the numbers get skewed sometimes. And it's like, okay, but, well, yeah, but he only had one classic album, but that's still 33% of all his material. Well, yeah, it's still 33% of all of his material, but he only got that classic because of the group. He wasn't able to do that by himself. So again, it's a lot of intangible things that need to be pointed out here when it comes to all these scores for Sanam Silla. Songs, he gets a plus 1.1, which again, that's a good score. We talk about it. We just spoke about it before. Plus or minus a whole point in this department, it becomes significant, and it starts to significantly affect your overall score here. So... He's getting just over a full point here in the songs department, which is solid. And that came from 35 songs, four of those songs being great, and none of them being weak. So that's 11% of his total material. He slide the decimal point, and he gets a plus 1.1 there. So good stuff in the songs department for sure. And again, I want to point out really quickly how... Yes, these numbers are paling in comparison to one below's, but these are still pretty solid numbers here. I mean, not bad numbers, especially from a guy with only three albums, two of those being group efforts. Impact, he gets a three and a half, and that's obviously a very poor score there. You know, even four is, I'm not trying to call these guys poor in any way, because again, Their main objective was not to be mainstream commercially successful, and on the flip side, one of their main objectives was to actually never become commercially successful. So, you know, I don't want to call it a downfall because it's something they did on purpose, but again, no matter what the reasoning behind these things are, they happened. I have to score them. So... A well below average score there of three and a half in the impact department, which is just a half a point behind what one below got when he got the four. And that basically, like I said, one below was a borderline three and a half. He was a four slash three and a half, but there wasn't really anything there to take away that I felt like he definitely deserved to get that three and a half. But again, Being at that borderline three and a half, and then taking into consideration the fact that Sanam Silla really only had about 33% of the material that One Below had, and even though One Below only had one artist listed that he was able to clearly, visibly, musically influence, and that did happen to be his partner in his group, there was nothing there for Sanam Silla, so he, you know, no names influence, so... I thought those two things coupled together with the fact that one below was already on the verge of getting a three and a half anyway. That was enough to swing Sanam Silla down to a three and a half there in impact. So a well below average score of three and a half in impact for Sanam Silla. An originality he gets an eight and a half, which is just below the originality of one below. And like I said... Very, very similar stuff here. Their messages were very similar. You can tell their overall goals and their point of making music was very, very similar. Neither of them either strayed from that. One Below gets the nine. Sanam Silla gets the eight and a half. And again, this is strictly pretty much based on the fact that Sanam Silla didn't have much material. So even if he was original on that material that he had, which he was. He didn't really give himself a lot of room and a lot of chance to do a lot of really crazy abstract things and have, you know, 25, 30, 40 songs that were, you know, crazy story songs with twists and endings and about topics that nobody else raps about. I mean, the guy only had 35 songs in total in his entire catalog, so you can be original, but again, you're limiting yourself as to the amount of originality that you're allowing yourself to display. So I thought that that was just notching him down an extra half a point there from one below who got a nine. So Sanam Silla, again, gets a very, very great score there of eight and a half in the originality department. So aside from that impact score, very, very solid stuff around the board there for Sanam Silla. And this automatically becomes one of those interesting scenarios where how much can his other scores carry him? I mean, it's a very low score there in impact, so... Will the other things make up for it? Is it going to land them in the bottom anyway? So you're going to add up the six numbers because we do have the classic album. So it's the lyric score, the album score, the extra point for the classic album, the song score, the impact score, and the originality score. You add all that up. You divide by five, which is the number of categories we have. And that gives you a final rating of 5.00 which puts Sanam Silla in a three-way tie for 45th place of 198 artists done overall. So while it's certainly not the finish that his partner in crime got, not a bad finish here at all for Sanam Silla. This should land him just inside of our top 100 when all is said and done, and while I'm particularly bothered by the fact that a lot of his scores were carried by one below, he was in a group with him and it does have to count. On top of that, again, it's extremely impressive that he was able to even reach that high, posting the lowest impact score of any artist we've covered so far. So no artist we've covered so far have hit a a 3.5 in the impact score at all. So shoutouts to Sanam Silla and Binary Star in general for sure, for not only being very, very impressive when it came to technical stuff, but Staying true to themselves and what they wanted out of music and still able to climb very high on these lists while not sacrificing the fact that they stayed true to themselves and their sound and what they wanted to do. So again, shoutouts to Binary Star as a group for sure. So now let's get into our list. As always, we'll start off with our top 10% overall. In our top spot, we have Eminem, who's in first place of 198 artists done overall. Directly behind him in second is Jay-Z. Behind him is Big Pun, who's in third. Directly behind Pun in fourth, we now have one below of Binary Star. Directly behind him is Vinny Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who's in fifth. Behind him in sixth is AZ. Behind him is Big L, who's in seventh. Behind L in eighth is Nas. And behind Nas is Method Man, who's in ninth. Directly behind Meth in tenth is Cannabis. Directly behind Biss is Black Thought of the Roots, who's in eleventh. Behind him in 12th is Killer Priest. Directly behind Priest, we have Tupac, Biggie, and Jadakus, who are in a three-way tie for 13th. Directly behind them in 16th, we have DMX. Behind X, we have Pharaoh Monch and Jus of Jedi Mind Tricks, who are tied for 17th. And directly behind them, we have Talib Kweli, who's in 19th place of 198 artists done overall. So, as we already addressed, an absolutely incredible finish there for one below of Binary Star, which now means that we again have our top artists revealed in order now. Unfortunately, this once again means that KRS-One gets slid out of our top 10% overall. And this is the second time this has happened in the past month or so. And this bothers me immensely, as I spoke about last time this happened. I had little to no interest in KRS-One prior to this study, even though my cousin Chucky constantly was telling me to listen to him, but after studying this man, he is not only one of my favorite rappers of all time, but probably one of my favorite people. On top of that, my like for KRS-One is not only the reason his exit from this list upsets me, first and foremost, flat out, I feel KRS-One deserves to be in this list. As I've stated before, I will never alter my numbers to fit my feelings, and the numbers are what they are right now at this current moment. Numerically, he's not in the top 10%, but my gut tells me he belongs in it. On top of that, KRS-One is the very last rapper from the 80s in this list, and while I wasn't a major fan of 80s hip-hop in general, I do feel, again, just off my gut that at least one OG legend deserves to be in this list. And in my opinion, if it's going to be anyone, it should be KRS-One. So like I said, this one pains me a bit, but hopefully KRS-One can fight his way back into this list, whether it be with new material, someone else's score changing, or this list growing, or whatever the case is. But nonetheless, shout outs to KRS-One for holding down that spot for over a decade now, and. Major shoutouts to one below of Binary Star for climbing all the way into the upper half of that list. Extremely impressive stuff, no doubt about it. Now let's get into our top 10% lyrically so far, and I'm excited about this one today. In our top spot, we have Eminem with a lyrical score of 9.5. In our number 2 spot behind him, we have one below of Binary Star with a lyrical score of 9. In a five-way tie for third place, behind them, we have Pharaoh Monch, Black Thought of the Roots, Nas, AZ, and Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks, who all got lyrical scores of eight and a half. In a four-way tie behind them for eighth place, we have Method Man, Jay-Z, Big Pun, and Cannabis, who all got lyrical scores of eight. In a six-way tie behind them for twelfth place, we have Master Ace, Jizza, Common, Big L., Talib Kweli, and esoteric of 7L and esoteric, and then in an eight-way tie for our 18th and final spot, we have KRS-One, Cool G Rap, Lord Finesse, Sean Price of to Skelter, Slug of Atmosphere, Jadakiss of the Locks, Killer Priest, and Benefit, who all got lyrical scores of seven. So again, one below finishing near the top of another list, and I got a couple of things to say about this one aside from the simple fact that this man appears to be one of the greatest lyricists of all time, which quite frankly speaks for itself. First of all, we see a lot of ties in this department, which is fair considering we're squeezing 450 people into a nine-point radius. But what I want to point out is that not only is there no tie for our top spot, But there was always a gap between first and second meaning that eminem was at a nine and a half and the next people below were all tied with eight and a halves now i don't want to downplay that eight and a half because those scores should keep these guys as some of our top lyricists of all time no question but there is definitely a dramatic difference between an eight and a half and a nine and a half here we see one below slide into our second place spot lyrically and close that gap as he becomes the only artist thus far aside from Eminem to reach at least a 9 lyrically. So again, man, I can't stress this enough. Absolutely incredible stuff here across the board from one below. One more thing I want to speak on briefly is how not that long ago, we had a huge 14-way tie for our last spot lyrically, and everyone in that list had a lyrical score of 6.5. As we started to reveal better lyricists those people were eventually ousted and a lyrical score of 7 is now required to even be put in this list. First of all I'd like to point out that Cool G Rap's lyrical score has recently been raised from a a 6.5 to a 7 which enabled him to climb his way back into our top 10% lyrically so far and rightfully so. On top of that we are only about 2 or 3 editions away from these people tied. For our last spot with sevens being pushed out the same way our six and a halfs were pushed out some episodes back. Now this is obviously going to solely depend on the quality of lyrics that we get from our future artists going forward. But if I had to round out the math and take a guess, these sevens won't hold up for all that much longer. So let's remember these names on these lists here today and make sure we give these guys their proper credit they deserve. But with that out of the way, let's check out our decades list starting off with our 1980s. So your top five artists to come out in the 80s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. So although Cool G Rap's lyrical score was changed and that obviously did affect his overall score, it was not enough to bring a change to this 80s list. So like I said, it is possible that these names do change one day, but highly unlikely, so shoutouts to the OGs who've been holding this list down since it started. Now let's move on to our 90s decade. Your top 5 artists to come out in the 90s are Eminem, Jay-Z, Big Pun, One Below of Binary Star, and Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks. So after 6 weeks of no one being able to crack this list, I'm excited to announce that we do have at least one more final addition to this list before we officially close out the 90s. And I got to be honest, I was not really expecting anyone else to get in this list. So very impressive stuff here from one below, no question. Obviously, when someone is slid in, that means that someone else has to be slid out. And unfortunately, that's AZ. And this one definitely pains me. AZ was somebody who, although I liked, was never anywhere on my radar of being a top guy overall, a top lyricist, or even a top rapper of the 90s. But despite my opinions and expectations on AZ, he unquestionably earned his way into there. So while this isn't a name like Big L or Nas, who most hip-hop heads would probably have in their top rappers of the 90s, This is certainly someone who, despite some mediocre scores in some other departments, was still able to earn a spot in our top rappers of the 90s. So definitely tough to see such an incredible lyricist and artist be pushed out. But like I said, not everybody can be top five, man. So tough to see AZ go, but let's give that man some credit for not only being in this list for a long time, But still sitting in a great spot as one of the top rappers and lyricists of all time, no question. And let's also give credit where it's due to One Below for being so ridiculous that he slid someone as impressive as AZ out on this particular list. So now let's get into our particular regions list and see if we have any changes to this one as well. We'll start off with our East Coast. Your top three artists to come out of the East Coast thus far are Jay-Z from Brooklyn, New York, Big Pun from the Bronx, New York, and Vinnie Paz of Jedi Mind Tricks from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Moving across the country to our West Coast, your top three artists to come out of the West Coast thus far are Tupac from Marin County, California, Razkaz from Carson, California, and Ice Cube of N.W.A. from Los Angeles, California. Moving down South, your top three artists to come out of the South thus far are Benefit from Florida, Little Wayne from New Orleans, Louisiana, and Andre 3000 of Outkast from Atlanta, Georgia. Moving over to our Midwest, your top three artists to come out of the Midwest thus far are Eminem from Detroit, Michigan, one below of Binary Star from Pontiac, Michigan, and Proof, also from Detroit, Michigan. So one below of Binary Star able to not only crack every single list he was eligible for today, but sitting in a very nice spot in all of them. So again, majorly impressive stuff from him here today, and a couple of things I'd like to point out here. First of all, Michigan seems to be an absolute powerhouse when it comes to hip-hop, now holding down all three top spots in the Midwest, which is crazy. And obviously, like we said before, when someone is slid into a list, naturally, someone has to be slid out. Unfortunately, that happens to be common Who's slid out of this top three artists to come out of the Midwest so far, which means that Chicago now loses its spot in that list, but that doesn't mean that Chi-Town won't find its way back in there, as we've definitely had some great artists come out of there, so I'm curious to see if any one of them are able to crack this list going forward. Obviously, the more time that goes on, the more each list becomes difficult, but that doesn't mean impossible, so... Shoutouts to One Below of Binary Star for having an absolutely savage showing here today, making his way into every single list possible. Shoutouts to Binary Star as a group who had some incredible material over the years. And shoutouts to not only Common, but Chicago for holding down that third and final spot in our top three artists to come out of the Midwest so far, no question. If you'd like to see any or all of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash of the Tapes Podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash of the Tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you'll see a support button. I greatly appreciate anybody that can hit that and help your boy out. And that's going to be it for our episode today, man. Like I spoke about earlier in the podcast, this was our last episode before summer break, so some nice time off here for everybody, myself included, and we will be back to pick up where we left off with Season 2, The 90s, on September 21st of this year at 5 o'clock p.m., so just over three months off. Upon our return, we will be covering Little C's and Ludacris as we close out the 90s with four more episodes to come in the fall. Before we take our one year break. Again, everyone enjoy your summer and I hope to see you guys back in the fall. Tell of the tapes. Peace. Tell of the tapes. Might as well.